Welcome to Paddling the Blue. With each episode, we talk with guests from the Great Lakes and around the globe who are doing cool things related to sea kayaking. I'm your host, my name is John Chase, and let's get started Paddling the Blue. Welcome back to another episode of Paddling the Blue. I appreciate you joining me today. The interview that I have for you today is with Christopher Lockyer, and Christopher is the founder of Committed to the Core Sea Kayak Coaching in Nova Scotia, and he's also the executive director of a biannual sea kayak symposium called the Bay of Fundy Sea Kayak Symposium, also held up in Nova Scotia. And so today's interview is a fun interview where we talked about paddling activities that are happening up there in Nova Scotia and why you should take a trip up there and really experience it for yourself as well. One quick note as you're listening to the interview, I just have to apologize. After I recorded the interview and was going back and listening to it, I picked up a a small echo in my voice. So you're going to hear that every once in a while when I speak. I guess I'm getting used to the uh, audio equipment that I have here still. So again, my apologies in advance. You'll hear that little bit of an echo in the background. I'll keep working on perfecting the sound for future episodes. So with that said, go ahead and sit back, take a listen, and enjoy Christopher Lockyer. Welcome, Christopher. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, no problem. Uh, Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, so Christopher, tell us a little bit about your personal paddling background. Uh, my personal paddling background, I guess, uh, when I started, um, probably started in a canoe when I was a, a child with my, uh, with my parents. My mom was involved in uh, Girl Guides and uh, uh, my sister was in Girl Guides. So we got drug around uh, with mom and uh, my sister to to different things so we spent a bunch of time floating around in canoes as kids and then uh, as I got older got a lot more interested in kayaking spent a bunch of time on uh, lakes in in and around the area in, in Nova Scotia and then uh, took my first sort of formal paddling program was in a pool learning how to roll while I was uh, attending university and then um, yeah went uh, went crazy from there so 1995 probably was the first time I took a sort of a BCU uh, three-star and then went uh, went through all the levels with uh, with Paddle Canada and the BCU and um, kind of uh, started the guiding day trips then into multi-day trips realized that I sort of had a, a niche in uh, wanting to be a better coach and I thought thought that that was a better avenue for me to kind of explore and then I guess probably in 2001 I started uh, committed to the core sea kayak coaching and then um, yeah we've kind of been going pretty steady since so uh, fortunately been able to use uh, you know my accreditations and my experience to travel all over the world to to teach paddling in in many different countries and uh, still continue to try and uh, get out and, and explore and teach and and have have some fun uh, as much as I possibly can. That's pretty cool that kayaking can take us uh, take us anywhere. So Nova Scotia, a uh, somewhat mysterious, I guess, and little known corner of the uh, of the North America. So tell us a little bit about your your personal paddling playground that is Nova Scotia. Yeah, so Nova Scotia is you know uh, located sort of at the edge of the North American continent, uh, still attached to land. Um, a lot of people think it's an island, but it's not an island. But uh, we have uh, about 5,000 kilometers of coastline to, to paddle and explore, thousands and thousands of islands. Uh, but I guess the thing that we're most uh, well known for is uh, the Bay of Fundy. So we do have the highest uh, recorded tidal range in the world, 
somewhere around 53 feet. We spend most of our time during programs and personal paddling time uh, exploring and enjoying the dynamics that are created with that uh, 53 foot tidal range exchange. So, you know, we do have lots of areas along our, our Atlantic coast that are not as tidal, um, not nearly as, as tidal, but with great surf beaches, uh, lots of expeditioning opportunities, uh, great rock, rock hopping with the Atlantic swell when it comes in the fall and in the spring. But we do spend a lot of our time uh, working in the tidal currents and, and tidal waters of uh, the upper and the lower Bay of Fundy. So 53 feet, that's, uh, that's mind-blowing. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, it, it is really quite difficult to fathom how much uh, water that, that is exchanged in the sort of six-hour tidal exchange in the upper part of the Bay of Fundy, but it is, it is well worth uh, coming and experiencing it. Uh, even on smaller uh, neap tides, it's, uh, it's still quite impressive to see how much water is moving in and around uh, islands and headlands and, and, and bits of the coast. So give us a little bit of a, maybe a geography lesson. Tell us a little bit about the Bay of Fundy and its, its geography. So the Bay of Fundy was um, uh, created when a big fault line uh, happened when North American Plate was moving and, and shifting. Uh, so it created this big rift valley, basically, and extends along the sort of northern region of Nova Scotia and then extends itself over into New Brunswick and then Sort of the uh, the Gulf of Maine is on the border of the lower part of the Bay of Fundy. So, based on its shape and and the direction in which the bay shapes it or faces, I should say, it it's in sort of perfect alignment with the natural resonance of the Earth. So that's kind of that's kind of the Coles Notes way of explaining how the tides work. So basically, it's um, it's in as perfect sync with the tidal resonance of the, the whole globe and uh, what happens is it just gets amplified based on the shape orientation and then the, the bathymetry of the actual bay itself is it's just amazing so we have the northern the northern portion of of the bay i guess so they call the north mountain is a big um, basalt seam so uh, amazing sort of pillars of rock and then as we get over to the other side of the Bay of Fundy, the geology and geography changes completely. So it's uh, yeah, really dynamic place uh, in terms of geology and how it was formed. Uh, and then sort of if you're, if you're really into rocks, there's lots of stuff to see when it comes to rocks. Uh, I'm not a geologist. I just know enough to be, uh, I guess, to be dangerous. So, so how, how deep, and not in terms of water depth, but how deep is the bay? Uh, I guess in the center of the bay, um, it's probably, oh gosh, four or 500 feet deep, I would think, um, in the center. And then uh, as it, you know, as it kind of slopes up into the upper part of the Bay of Fundy, it gets quite shallow. The upper part of the Bay of Fundy is quite muddy, so lots of big mud flats. Um, but the lower bay, once you get down around a place called Cape Split, uh, the water is very clear, um, very clean in a deep bluish green color. So it's actually really pristine, quite healthy, vibrant uh, marine ecosystem with lots of whales, lots of food for whales. And then um, the uh, fisheries in the Bay of Fundy is still quite lucrative. So it's actually quite uh, quite plentiful in terms of um, 
if you're into seafood, there's uh, there's no shortage of seafood to be bought and uh, and eaten while you're while you're here in Nova Scotia. So I guess in uh, rather than depth of water, I was thinking from the mouth to the back of the bay. How many oh, kilometers are we looking at? Oh gosh, if you're looking at the overall depth, oh. Uh, Probably about 250 kilometers, so you're probably looking at about 175 miles, something like that, from okay. from one end to the other. So it's uh, you know it's not something that you could paddle in a day. Um, we've although we've paddled across the Bay of Fundy uh, in a day, but never uh, from the sort of the bottom of it to the very top. It take a lot longer than um, I'm prepared to, to paddle at this point. <laughs> And it's a fairly, fairly narrow bay, so you've paddled across in a day, you said. Yeah, it's about 45 miles wide at the sort of one of the widest parts of it. It took us, you know, 10 hours or something like that to paddle across it. So it wasn't too bad, but, it, it, you know, it's not super wide. But when we get up in the upper part of the Bay of Fundy, it, you know, uh, at its narrowest point, uh, probably is only probably only about four or five miles wide. And then it gets narrower as we get up into the tidal flats up in the, in the upper Bay of Fundy. All right, so that that 175 mile depth, um, and then the 45 mile width, along with all the other uh, you know, complications there, certainly would contribute to that range. I'm guessing. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's a there's a statistic that you can read when you go to one of the sort of tidal viewing places, and it it talks about the tidal exchange between two places, which uh, a place called Cape Door and a place called Cape Split, which are on opposite sides of the Bay of Fundy. And the stat basically mentions it's the tidal exchange is equivalent to the outflow of every river in the entire world per tidal cycle. It's six cubic miles go of water, which is, I'm not even sure how you could even try and visualize such a thing, but it's, yeah, the, the outflow of every major river through the two points between Cape Split and Cape Door every six hours of every tidal cycle that happens every single day. So it's it's an amazing amount of water runs, you know, between 12 and 14 knots uh, for its speed. So it's almost incomprehensible when you actually look at it. You're like, wow, that's a lot of water. And then you turn and make a, a cube and then you go, wow, it's six of those cubes. You're going, wow, that's a that's that's amazing. So with that kind of tidal exchange, uh, you obviously get some pretty good conditions. So tell us about some of the uh, the crazy conditions you end up with there. So I guess as it, you know, most of the time during uh, programs and and things that we're running, we're we're in the lower Bay of Fundy, so down around Yarmouth, uh, Argyle, Tusket Islands, which has a, about a twenty five foot tidal range. So. Uh, we spend a lot of time in the Tusket Islands using a place called the Argyle River, which have pretty good tidal exchange and then quite a bit of current. So we have lots of great places that um, where the constrictions create uh, a really great jet of water. And then the Tusket Islands themselves are fantastic for being able to travel between islands, taking tides into account, using them to your advantage. So it, it's a great place for lots of different uh, abilities to go down there and incrementally just sort of get exposed to, get comfortable with, then start exploring, building confidence. And then as we get up into the bay, the sort of the next area that we would use most often would be a place called Briar Island, 
which is a small little island that sort of juts out into the mouth and the opening of the upper pay of Bay of Fundy, which has, uh, you know, a 25, 26 foot tidal range uh, with currents up to eight knots. Just an amazing playground with uh, great tidal races, uh, relatively bigger conditions. So we do take more um, capable groups that are looking for um, a little bit more of a challenge to Briar Island uh, to uh, explore and play in the tidal races that are caused by the constriction of the water up in there. As we move farther up into the bay or back into the bay, I guess that would be from uh, west to east. As we move east, you can get up into the upper Bay of Fundy where you have places like Cape Chignecto, which are really great places for touring. Although there is still a lot of current and, and you know, you're getting more up into a, a 40, 44 foot tidal range. So you have lots of uh, amazing uh, flower pot and pinnacles of rock that are sticking out of the water at high water. And then at low water, they're two and 300 feet tall. And then as you get up to Cape Door and Cape Split, things get very lively, very, very large tidal ranges, very significant currents. Not, not, for, the, uh, not for the newer paddler, that's for sure. And then... Um, I guess the cream of the crop of, of the Bay of Fundy and probably uh, the area that might be, I guess, most synonymous with the Bay of Fundy for, from my perspective is the uh, Shubenacadie River. We call it the Shuby. It's a, uh, it's a tidal bore river as well as a tide race feature. So it's a uh, 12 kilometer chocolate milk roller coaster. And that's basically uh, about 20 minutes from where I live. So that's probably my my local paddling spot. There's lots of great videos on uh, a lot of those places, you know, that we've published and other people have published that, that basically can kind of put the visual into perspective. But as we start in the lower Bay of Fundy, it's a great newer paddler, sort of getting comfortable paddler. And then as we get farther up into the bay, it kind of progresses, combines and, and accumulates in your skill levels to, um, to kind of set you up to be a bit more challenged as we as we move farther up the bay as the as the tidal exchange increases so so it's unique that you've got a lot of uh, a lot of different places that you can go and hit opportunities for paddlers of all levels then if i'm hearing you right yeah for sure like we you know basically one of the big things that we pride ourselves on uh with the company and you know where we do a lot of these programs we we have we have the ability to tailor all of our programs to the expectations and experience of the paddlers that come. So quite often we're trying to do a lot more kind of customized programs where groups of five or six like-minded paddlers as well as sort of like-ability paddlers are, are coming and then we can custom build programs based on one, based on their experience and then also based on what on their expectations of what they're actually looking to get out of the actual program. So lots of opportunities for progressing. Introduction to tidal currents, getting comfortable, then kind of exploring and pushing and pushing and then and then changing things up. Uh, and then also if people are looking for leadership opportunities, the leadership opportunities then become a little bit more amplified because you have not just the swell not just the people, but then you have the current and the tide to, to contend with. So it, depending on the levels of the groups, 
the customization, you know, really the, the options and combinations are, are, are limitless, really. So it's not just a 12 to 14 knot currents, it's, it's everything else in between and above that. Yeah, and we can, you know, we, we get, uh, you know, we, and anything from two knots to 12 knots, and then we can get, you know, 10 to 15 knots of 20 knots of wind, and then uh, you can add, a, uh, you know, three feet or four feet of swell in there, depending on what's happening throughout the year. So it, things can get amplified quite quickly, and, and sometimes it, we like to say high levels of arousal. It might not mean the same thing to a lot of people, but uh, it's not a sexual thing. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's, it's just people get really excited they they get tense for sure and and sometimes it's a bit much for some people but the reality is is with the coaching staff that i have at my disposal and and then their combined experience and these environments really the world is our oyster in terms of programming and uh, people's ability to um to reach whatever goal it is they have for the time that they are here well, it certainly sounds like if you're looking to develop your title skills, uh, committed to the course, sea kayak coaching, and uh, the Bay of Fundy are places to be. Uh, yeah, very much so. And, you know, I, I'm very lucky to uh, to have this in my background and, and uh, in my, I guess, in my backyard and uh, in my, my background as a kid. I, uh, I was pretty fortunate to be able to experience this early in my life to maximize that in terms of, a, you know, a, a business and, and a source of, of recreation and enjoyment for uh, for me and a lot of other people. So coming back to the Shuby, uh, the Shuby River, so you mentioned tidal bore. So can you tell our listeners who might not be familiar with the term bore, what is a tidal bore? A tidal bore the, um, is caused by the incoming tide meeting with the outgoing flow of a natural river. So as we get this 25 or the sorry 45 50 foot tidal range it it then comes in basically contact with the outflow of the Shuby River and what happens is the incoming tide overcomes the outflowing river causing a standing wave and that standing wave then progresses and moves itself up the river now there's lots of tidal bores all around the world we get a tidal bore at the mouth of the Shuby River, which is basically the top of the Bay of Fundy. That tidal bore itself runs and reforms in several places as we go up the river. We as kayakers don't really have the ability to move as quickly as the bore does. So we ride the bore for the first little bit. In theory, then we let it go by and then what happens after the bore goes by is more characteristic of what we would call the tidal race. So because the Shuby is quite shallow and has a lot of really large sandbars in it, what happens is as the, as the tidal current goes across the sandbars, it creates texture and resistance on the bottom, causing like the same features that you would get in a river where uh, water goes over top of rocks. So it's basically a set of rapids. And as the tide increases in its vertical movement, that causes the features to change and move upriver. So we actually start at the mouth of the river and then we end upstream. So we kind of run the river backwards for anybody who's a whitewater kayaker, they basically go from uphill to downhill. 
we actually go from downhill to uphill. So it's kind of a really weird place. And especially when you paddle it, we end up facing out to sea and surfing the waves going up the river backwards. So it's it's kind of a trip for people who've never done it before. The very first time you just kind of go on, I'm not sure what's going on here. I'll just I'll just follow everybody else. You know, it takes probably four or five times before you truly can get your head around what's actually happening on the shoebie. So if you're going to come, you got to come at least four or five times. <laughs> so how long does this uh, this phenomenon last? Uh, so the, the tidal bore itself um, yeah. and the shoebie, it takes us about a three and a half. It's about a three and a half hour run. So from the time we put on to the time we take out, it, you know, anywhere between three, three and a half, four hours. Um, and we run the shoebie just like a, uh, a whitewater river. So we actually run a shuttle before we run the river. Uh, we put cars at, at the end, which technically might be considered the start of the run. Uh, and then we paddle upstream um, and, uh, and then basically end where we've left the cars at the end of the day. So we start at the mouth of the river and then, and then go back up. So three or four hours. Uh, it's a relatively intense environment. Lots of, uh, lots of output because the current's running so quickly. The uh, waves do get rather large sometimes, and the rides can last up to 6, 7, 10, 12 minutes, depending on how, um, how experienced and how, um, how lucky you get to be in the right spot and have the features stay in that spot for a long period of time. So the longest I've been on a wave is is probably about 18 minutes in one spot. We are very, very fortunate to have this in our in our backyard, very yeah. much so, yeah. So you mentioned whales earlier. Huh? So tell us a little bit about, uh, about the wildlife that you see in the area. So down, uh, I guess, uh, along the Atlantic coast, we do have a lot of uh, migratory birds. So in the spring and the fall, uh, we got birds basically traveling from the south uh, in the spring, going up to the north into the Arctic. Uh, and then in the fall, uh, you, you name it, there, there's birds uh, everywhere, on, especially on the, on the out, uh, offshore islands that come uh, along Nova Scotia. Um, we do have uh, a lot of seals, gray seals, common harbor seals. So there's lots of different seals around. And then the Bay of Fundy itself is, is pretty well known for whale watching. Uh, we don't tend to uh, see them as often in sea kayaks from, uh, from where we paddle, but you can see them off in the distance. Uh, the other side of the Bay of Fundy, sort of the Deer Island, Grand Manan area, they'd be more likely to see, see the whales closer to shore. Um, but I have been fortunate enough to go out and paddle around um, humpback whales, right whales, uh, minkies, fins, so, you know, you, you, you name most of the whales. The only whales that I know of that haven't been in the Bay of Fundy would be a, a narwhal and a gray whale. And I'm pretty sure that we've, there's been everything else but those two, two species of whales in the Bay of Fundy. But, the, you know, the Bay of Fundy is really well known for lots of, like, lots of seals, lots of great shorebirds. And because, you know, the, the population of Nova Scotia is actually only about 950,000, there's still a lot of really wild places um, that you can get out and explore and uh, not see very many people. And the people that you do see 
actually want to talk to you. They want to want, they wonder what you're up to. They want to know where you're from. Uh, they're very curious, um, very generous, uh, open doors, always happen to, happy to, uh, to, uh, welcome, uh, people from away, uh, regardless from, uh, you know, what corner of the world you come from there. Um, very, very friendly and very, very, very welcoming to, uh, to people who are coming to visit. So tell us about some of your favorite trips that you lead. Gosh, uh, um, you know, you've already, you already heard about the Shubies. So the Shubies is definitely kind of one of my, uh, my amazing sort of, uh, go-to, uh, programs. Um, Briar Island again is, is just an amazing place. We do tend to go down there for, uh, a sort of two or three day experience so we can uh, incorporate the incoming and outgoing tide. The whole West Pubnico, Argyle, Tuskit, Cape Forshoe area is, you know, definitely, that's probably our go-to area. Fortunately, was able to purchase a house down in a place called West Pubnico uh, last year. Um, it's called the Kayak Clubhouse. So we bought it with with the sole purpose of turning it into a place where we could run programs out of. So we've bought this house that's 20 minutes to the Argyle River, it's 30 minutes to the Tusket Islands, it's 30 minutes to Cape Forshoe for surfing, uh, it's two minutes from Lobster Bay, which are all the same uh, venues that we would use uh, during the Bay of Fundy Sea Kayak Symposium. So we've kind of um, we found this little gem on on the you know southwestern coast of of Nova Scotia, where the sort of Bay of Fundy meets the Atlantic Ocean, and and really um, kind of put our roots in there. Purchased you know purchased a home and and have been really welcomed by the the locals for you know for what we're actually doing um, down there. So other other notable areas on you know uh, would be sort of the Peggy's Cove, Dover Island, which are just outside of Halifax. And then if people are, you know, looking for uh, expeditioning opp opportunities where they're wanting to do uh, more camping, the whole um, sort of eastern shore of Nova Scotia, uh, the 100 Wild Islands, which is a, um, the Nova Scotia Nature Trust has basically put uh, over 100 islands into basically protected preserved land uh, for the public to use. So uh, opportunities for sea kayak expeditioning is limitless. So you launch, um, you know, you can camp on most of these islands. They're private or publicly owned and uh, very accessible with, you know, lots of protection if needed and, and lots of opportunities to explore. And then when you get up into a place called Cape Breton, which is still part of Nova Scotia, there's that much more opportunities for expeditioning and, uh, and options to explore. You know, the entire coast of Nova Scotia, um, you know, the Atlantic coast, the Bay of Fundy and up into Cape Breton provide uh, unlimited opportunities for exploring by sea kayak, regardless of, of your abilities. Uh, if people are looking for, you know, some simple trips, day trips in and around Halifax, Eastern Shore, South Shore, lots of places to go. And then if you're looking for sort of more... Uh, more excitement, uh, you know, we get great swell, so rock hopping, and then all the tidal current stuff is uh, an amazing amount of opportunities for, for us to be able to get out and explore. Sorry, so you've been, you're talking about the expeditioning. Um, you mentioned earlier crossing the Bay of Fundy. Um, you mentioned that you've done that crossing. If I'm not mistaken, you've done that crossing as a charity benefit, is that right? 
Yeah, I've actually done it twice um, for two separate charities. So the first charity, um, first time I did it uh, was in uh, 2009 for leukemia. So a paddling friend called John Kenyon and a friend of uh, my family was diagnosed with leukemia. I decided that at that point it was it was a weird concept to me to not be able to go paddling. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm gonna try and do something uh, to raise a bit of money. And uh, so uh, I paddled across the Bay of Fundy that year. Um, I guess it was, yeah, 2000, 2008, I guess it was, sorry. Did that crossing uh, 12 hours, 40 minutes. So it was, I think the entire crossing was about 80, 80 kilometers. Yeah, the 12 hours, 12 and a half hours. So um, yeah, raised, you know, a little under $15,000 for leukemia research. And then uh, 10 years later, a good friend of mine, uh, Daniel Archibald, his mother was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. He and I were driving home after a pool session and he looked at me and he's, uh, he said to me, he said, uh, you remember that paddle that you did? I said, yeah. He said, uh, would you be up for doing it again? And I said, yeah, for sure. And I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, I was thinking we could do another fundraiser. And I was like, okay. So we called that one. Um, the first one was called Kayak for Kenyon, which was John's last name. And the, uh, the second one was uh, um, cheekily called uh, a, a paddle or a, a paddle for my mother's udders. So we were... <laughs> So we were raising money for breast cancer research for the IWK in Halifax, or sorry, the QE2 in Halifax um, to, uh, to look at um, giving to uh, cancer research for breast cancer specifically. So Daniel and I um, partnered up on that one, paddled our uh, PNHC, this is uh, across the Bay of Fundy, and um, did it a lot faster than I did at the time before. So we did uh, the extra four kilometers from Digby to my parents' house, which is in a place called Deep Brook. So we did a little bit extra this time and it took us uh, around 12 hours and 30 minutes, or 10 hours and 30 minutes to do the entire crossing the second time. So yeah, so that was a, a definitely a highlight. It was funny when I, after I did it, uh, my middle son, his name's Seth, he said, Dad, in 10 years, would you do this crossing with me? And I said, in a second. Uh, so uh, maybe in 2028, you might hear about another uh, Bay of Fundy crossing with the Lockyer boys this time. That's pretty cool. So and you did that one as a fundraiser as well. You, so you raised a good amount of money for that as well? We did, yeah. I think it was something like $12,000. So I guess between the two of them, we're 20, you know, uh, what, 26,000, something like that. So we're, um, yeah, pretty, pretty pleased with the support that we got. And the paddling community de definitely got behind me on both of those um, to... Uh, yeah, to uh, to explore, uh, you know, the the I guess hardships of other people, and to uh, draw attention to the fact that, you know, um, we can use kayaking as a means to uh, to raise awareness and to help support people who are going through some pretty difficult uh, times in their lives. Awesome! Congratulations. Mm, yeah, no, it's pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty good experience for sure. So getting to uh, getting Nova Scotia and getting to the Bay of Fundy, tell us about how people might get there. 
So there's several options, I guess, if you were wanting to come to, to Nova Scotia to explore uh, Bay of Fundy and other parts. Uh, obviously, Halifax is an international airport, so uh, very easy to fly into Nova Scotia. Uh, and then, um, uh, you know, specifically, if you're going to do stuff with us, we do have a full fleet of rental boats. So what, what ends up happening is these small pods and groups of people tend to fly in. We meet them either at the kayak clubhouse or meet them at the airport in Halifax and we all drive down to Pubnico or Briar Island or wherever and basically we haul all the boats so we got a full fleet of P&H kayaks, full gamut of uh, Lando paddles and a whole bunch of Kokatap paddling gear and uh, people fly in with their own personal paddling stuff and then uh, basically go from there if, uh, if you're going to drive uh, there's several options. You can drive just basically through New Brunswick to Nova Scotia um, and there are um, several ferry options so to cut out some of the driving there's a ferry from a place called St. John which is in New Brunswick that gets you into a place called Digby which is in the Bay of Fundy and then uh, for many years there was a ferry that ran from Maine and uh, I think they're trying to rejuvenate it. Last year it didn't run from Bar Harbor but I think in 2020 they're going to have it back up and running so you basically if you're coming from sort of uh, New England or Easter, uh, eastern sort of northeast of North America you kind of drive to Briar or to um, Bar Harbor in Maine and jump on the ferry and then you'll arrive in Yarmouth and then uh, basically you're you're at the the entrance of the Bay of Fundy from there and then uh, you can either go uh, you can either go left up into the upper Bay of Fundy or you can go right into the lower Bay of Fundy and, uh, and explore from there. In terms of lodging options, uh, whether it's B&Bs, hotels, camping, uh, what, what types of stuff is available up there for you? Gosh, there's, you know, full gamut really, depending on what region you're going to. Obviously, uh, the whole Airbnb scene has really um, exploded in Nova Scotia. Uh, lots of seasonal rentals uh, anywhere along the coast. Uh, Briar Island, uh, Tuskets, Yarmouth, uh, in and around Halifax, Eastern Shore, plenty of, of um, provincially owned campgrounds as well as privately owned campgrounds and then you know all your major chains for hotels in in most of the sort of bigger towns along the coast so uh, you know Yarmouth, Digby, up into the valley there's lots of different uh, hotels and you know Bridgewater, Halifax, uh, you know you definitely you, you have lots of choices, um, you know, any Expedia kind of search or Airbnb search will give you plenty of different options depending on group size and, and you know, length of stay. There's tons and tons of options for people to be able to, to come and, and, and do whatever they need to. The choices of, of great local seafood restaurants uh, are, you know, limitless. There's tons and tons of places that that you can you know go and eat and explore you know when you after you're done playing there's and then you can nip into fish markets and and grocery stores and pick up local seafood uh, um, in pretty much everywhere along the coast and then i assume uh, for those who are coming up you know the, the whether that's the small groups or whatnot that are coming up to coach with you or to to work with your team uh, you put people up at the kayak house as well yeah no most of the time um we we time we you know we try and build that into our program so it's you know the kayak clubhouse is you know was purpose purchased so we could we could use that um, 
So quite often people fly in and then we kind of pick or we meet them and we drive to the kayak clubhouse, we kind of get settled away and then uh, go from there. So uh, yeah, that's definitely definitely part of, uh, I guess that's part of the draw, I guess. So people don't have to look for places. We can basically just suge suggest to them, look, we got, we got this house that sleeps eight people, bunk beds, double beds, you know, fully equipped kitchen, dunk tanks, drying racks, you know, places to hang your gear, parking. And then if you don't want to cook your own meals, lots of great seafood restaurants around uh, local breweries as well as, uh, and then, you know, lots of grocery stores. If you just want to, um, you know, go buy groceries and make your own meals. We, my sons and I built a house or um, a, a sort of a community table where we, you know, it sits 10. So I mean, basically great to just wrap up at the end of the day and, and all sit down and have a meal basically. So. Well, it sounds like a, a, a front to back, you know, kind of a full, uh, full line coaching opportunity. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we kind of, uh, for years and years, we always joked about, uh, you know, we need to have a place where we can all go and kind of hang out and, and we're going to call it the kayak clubhouse. And I looked and I looked and I, lo I looked for probably four years for a place. And uh, the place that we bought uh, is, an, is an older home. But, um, you know, the, the uh, bones are really good in it and we've put a lot of work into making it a paddling place, right? So places where you can, you know, hang gear and, and uh, lots of room to, for people to kind of just come and spread out. Really big kitchen, so lots of opportunities for that. And then, yeah, so, it, you know, it really was purchased with very much with, uh, you know, kayaking kayaking in mind we're you know we were definitely uh interested in in finding a place where we could just get people together and and and, and allow them time to to enjoy time on the water and then also time off the water so uh, really uh, really fortunate to to have that as a place to to kind of call home and and when we go there we know exactly what's at the house we know exactly what we're you know what we what we need what uh what's uh what's there what uh you know it actually works out really well for all of us and we've we spent a lot of time in the 2019 season down there and definitely plan on spending a lot more time down down there again uh, in 2020. well you've certainly got me interested i gotta uh, rustle up a few friends and maybe come on out and spend some time at the kayak clubhouse yeah no we're definitely we'd always be uh welcoming to to paddlers from all over. It's, uh, you know, uh, one thing I pride myself on is growing up in a, in a community and uh, with a mindset that uh, the door is open. Obviously we are, we are running a business, but we, uh, we do want to welcome people uh, and, um, and show them how amazing our playground uh, really is. Well, you mentioned it earlier. Um, so tell us a little bit about Bay of Fundy Sea Kayak Symposium. Yeah, so the symposium itself is sort of a—it's a separate entity. It's—it's okay. a—it's a, it's a not-for-profit, so it's set up as a not-for-profit. Um, I am the executive director for it, uh, and I have been since we started. Um, I guess I, we're going to our sixth iteration. Uh, will be in 2021. It's—you know—it's an international symposium. We get kayak coaches from all over the world coming to Nova Scotia to basically explore all these areas that I talked about. We've had paddlers from all over North America come. Uh, we've had lots of Great Lake paddlers, West Coast paddlers, uh, New England paddlers come and fly into Nova Scotia. They rent boats. They basically 
get their accommodations and then come and take part in the three days. You know, we have a lobster dinner, we have a community supper every uh, now at the event. Uh, you know, we, we have silent auction, which normally is uh, in support of uh, charities. And uh, it's a great place uh, for people to come and, and, and learn about tidal paddling and, and do it with people from all walks of life. So, you know, for the people who might not belong to a club or a group of individuals to get five or six people together to come to Nova Scotia, it's an opportunity for a lot of smaller groups or, in, you know, uh, individuals who, who just want to get out and, uh, and learn and explore, um, you know, you know, places that we have. It's, yeah, it's, it's a great event. It runs normally in September after Labor Day weekend once uh, sort of uh, all the family pressures and things come off people and they can kind of uh, get out and um, kind of relax a little bit after kind of running around all summer long, basically. So. And you said it was a biannual event? So it yeah, runs so, it? yeah, we run it every year, every other year, sorry. Um, so we ran it in 2019 uh, and then uh, it'll be again in September of uh, 2021. So, uh, yeah, so registration will open early in probably late, I guess, late um, October of 2020. Normally the event run um, sells out, so we do get a, a pretty good turnout for the group, which is, you know, anywhere between uh, 85 and 95 participants, plus between sort of 20 and 30 coaching staff. So at any given time, we're, you know, about 100, 110 people on the water, in about seven or eight different uh, paddling regions just within sort of a, a 25 to 30 minute drive from Argyle. So it's, yeah, so everything is kind of on our doorstep. Well, I can say I've heard nothing but good things about it. So hopefully I'll get a chance to get out there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, again, that's, uh, you know, for anybody who's listening, that's, uh, you know, a ACA, BC or Paddle Canada instructor, you know, the, to apply to be a, a coach at Bay of Fundy is, uh, you know, there is an application process which will open probably in September of uh, 2020. Uh, basically, it's a form you fill in with your credentials, uh, you know, kind of why you want to come. So instead of it necessarily being like, oh, just because, uh, you know, just because John came last year as a coach doesn't necessarily mean um, we're going to choose him again for 2021. So there's, it is an application process and we're really looking for kayak coaches that are really interested in um, basically sharing and building the community. So it's uh, it's a really low key uh, event with uh, I can probably say we have the most diverse, experienced sea kayak coaches from all over the world that are coming to run sessions for us. So um, which I can say that most of them are all very good friends of mine, which. Uh, you know, so I, I'm very proud of, of what we've been able to build and we do get a lot of interest. I think we got 65 applications in 2019 for coaches, which of well, we were only able to take 26 of those. Mm-hmm. So we um, so there's obviously an interest from a global paddling community for um, for people to be involved. And, you know, and we've had lots of great uh, interest from. Uh, Great Lake Paddlers, uh, lots of uh, really good Great Lake Paddler uh, coaches that have come and been part of the event as well. So, you know, we've, you know, we, we're definitely not 
looking just for people who are paddling only on the sea, but there's uh, uh, credentials, motivation, and uh, you know, put your application in and uh, and tell us why um, you think you'd be a good uh, a good candidate to be a coach at Bay of Fundy, and uh, our selection team will will make those decisions. All right. So with the uh, with all the things that you've talked about here with Bay of Fundy and the whole and Nova Scotia in general, uh, I can certainly see why there's a a sellout demand every time for the symposium and for a uh, three to one ratio of uh, coaches applying and, and coaches getting in. So it's been really, really cool, really fun listening to you and, uh, and learning about the area. How can listeners reach you if they have additional questions? Uh, we, you know, we're on most social media platforms. Facebook is committed to the course. Cut coaching, uh, Instagram is, uh, uh, Christopher committed, uh, I think it's Christopher underscore committed to the core. And then our website is uh, committed to the core.com, uh, the number two. But if you just type that into any, uh, any search engine committed to the core, uh, is gonna, is gonna come up. I'm definitely happy to, uh, help arrange any customized programs as well as to, to help people if, if they're looking to come explore. Uh, I know one of the questions you had sent me, John, is, uh, is sort of about uh, you know if, if people are are planning on coming and want to just come explore um, you know what what to expect and what to prepare for and definitely happy to help um, point people in directions for people who write blogs on paddling in Nova Scotia several books have been published on sea kayaking in Nova Scotia as a destination so definitely happy to to help people if they're kind of looking to be a little bit more self-directed and come on their own um, happy to happy to help with any any way I can so I'll tell you what to help our listeners um, I'll grab some of those resources and links to those uh, afterwards and I'll make sure I add those to the show notes I'll also put links to your uh, your Facebook page your website uh, in the show notes as well and I know you produce a lot of videos I know you've got a couple of videos of the Shuby and, and other areas so we can certainly add those as well and give people a, a visual taste of what they're in in for yeah, no, we do definitely spend a fair amount of time producing uh, videos on on the areas, and it, you know, just to share, I guess, what it is we we have here, and you know, we're um, we are very fortunate, and uh, uh, some of the videos are a little bit sort of higher energy, but um, some of them are definitely just about you know showing people what's here um, and the you know the the opportunities and options that we have. Uh, are truly are limitless. Well, one final question here that I have for you. Christopher, who else do you think might be a good guest for us to have on uh, Paddling the Blue? So uh, you and I chatted about this, and um, I have two, but I guess uh, we can start with the first one. My, my first suggestion to uh, kind of uh, be part of your project, John, would be a, would be a fellow named Graham Macarath and... Graham Macarath is is the owner of PH Piranha and Venture Kayaks. He's based in the United Kingdom. He's basically spent his entire life around boats, building boats, racing boats, and has just got an amazing wealth of knowledge when it comes to boat design uh, and just trying to uh, stay current with the needs of our paddling communities, as well as, uh, you know, boats and designs. And, and you know, obviously everybody knows, uh, or I guess most people know what a, a P&H Delphin is. 
probably one of the most popular sea kayaks in the world, or at least in North America, if not the world. And I know Graham and them are very, very proud of that sea kayak, but they're always looking to um, build a new a new dolphin. So what's the next dolphin going to look like? Is they, I saw Graham at Paddle Golden Gate last weekend. And he said, well, what would the next dolphin look like? Or what would a what would an upgrade to a dolphin look like? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, well, what would the upgrade to an Aries look like? And I was like, okay. He's like, well, send me an email and tell me what these boats should look like. And I'm like, okay, I'm not a boat designer, but I'll tell you what I like. So, um, you know, really great guy, um, an amazing person. The other um, suggestion, or the, the, I guess the suggestion that I would also make would be a, a fella named uh, Chris Hipgrave who is the sort of North American uh, representative for P&H Piranha uh, down in Tennessee, uh, has a, an amazing background in flat water and down, uh, downriver racing, kayak, kayak slalom, slalom, as well as surf ski, really in tune with the global paddling community, uh, really keen to teach people how to get as much out of their physical fitness and paddling as they possibly can a really solid boater and most importantly an amazing supporter of the community always there to help always there to um, give um, you know input and help so he uh, he would be a great uh, he would be a great person to have uh, involved in your project fantastic thank you for the uh, for the suggestions i will certainly reach out to them and uh, see if we can get them on a future episode of paddling the blue mm. Christopher, this has been fantastic. Uh, again, I really appreciate your time. I uh, really appreciate learning everything about uh, Nova Scotia and committed to the core sea kayak coaching. So again, thank you very much, and I appreciate it. Have a great day. Uh, thanks, John. I, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to reach out to me and uh, have me involved. I know the, I think the very first time I met you was probably at Paddle Golden Gate, if I'm not uh, mistaken. I think so. Was it? Yeah, and... Uh, you know, I did admire how um, how friendly and uh, and genuine you were when I did meet you, and then uh, I know you uh, helped me out of a bind last year at Canoe Copia when I was uh, when I had to leave early. So um, I appreciate you uh, stepping up and helping out with that as well. So um, again, I you know, uh, um, paddling community uh, needs all kinds of different people, but uh, I think uh, you know, obviously you're. You're definitely on the right track, and I do appreciate what you're doing. So uh, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Paddling the Blue. You can subscribe to Paddling the Blue on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Please take the time to leave us a five-star review on Apple Music. We truly appreciate the support. And you can find the show notes for this episode and other episodes, along with replays of past episodes, contact information, and more at paddlingtheblue.com. Until next time, I hope you get out and paddle the blue.